0: Hey guys, welcome to a very special Monday Matinee. I am Brooke Everburst, and I am here with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Kyle Olson, who are the geniuses behind Ox and Hair, which bring you the Monday Matinee. And we're gonna do a little bit of behind the scenes work on Revenge of the Battle Axes. So, Kyle, Ryan, welcome. Thank
1: you. This is the sound of my voice.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't hear us
2: all that much. <laughs>
1: Well, they, they don't hear me a lot. They hear you well, every episode. They do hear me a lot. You are La Voca. I do do
0: that. <laughs> so, guys, um, you guys have been – I'm going to do a little bit of background. You guys have been doing sure. Legible Scrawl and Oxen Hair for how long?
1: Ooh, let's see. I guess about four years. This is the second we we're, we're, – we're wrapping up the second year of Monday Matinee. Uh, and then we did a couple of things uh, in Legible Scrawl before We did a that.
2: year of Legible uh, Scrawl before we did Monday Matinee yep. and Oxen hair. Now, do you count the start of Legible Scrawl as the first Super Hulock or the second Super Hulock?
1: I do it from the first one, even though, even though we didn't have the name yet.
2: Okay, because usually when I tell the story of how I got involved, I start with the first one. But uh, I wasn't involved in the first one, so you can go with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think that's where the balls are rolling and... Uh... And it was the I didn't have the formalized name for it yet at the time, but it was sort of like it went so well that I was like, I have to do more of this.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely been a lot of fun. Um, For those that don't know, the three of us met uh, on being moderators at Phoenix Comic Con. And a lot of the talent you hear is people that have been on the moderator team. So we all have passable voices and commanding presence. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think I talked a little bit about this in the behind the scenes of Swashbuckling too, but yeah, it started out as we would do these sort of mock panels to train our moderators. The moderators are the ones who, uh, if you ever go to a convention, are the ones who are standing up at the podium and just basically making sure nothing goes off the rails. Uh, They they help field questions, they help uh, even get water, uh, they help uh, keep and maybe make a, a a shy guest feel more comfortable so they'll be answering questions. Uh, and so to to train people, we had these mock panels, and so our people would pretend to be a celebrity or a fan or whatever, and maybe be over enthusiastic or maybe they'd be really quiet. And we would you know tell the person who was being the celebrity something to do something strange to do like uh you know be obnoxious be like this and not tell the moderator what was going to happen and see how they would react but as i was watching all these things happen it was like wow there's a lot of talent in this room (laughs) these people are they're being trained for moderation but like boy like just off the cuff they're really good and they're really performing and so i i put together our first panel uh to as a live script read and i took the people from there that were, were extremely talented and uh, created a panel that where we read a super Hulock script. Uh, and it was a huge, huge success. And then from then we, we started doing more and more things. And now here we are in Monday matinee creating our own content as opposed to just doing a fan
0: service. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun to do. And I wanted to, to talk about the latest project, which is revenge of the battle axes and Kyle, Kyle wrote it all mm-hmm. and Ryan directed it. And I know this cause, I had several notes from him during the recording session. <laughs> what? <laughs> Surprising. <laughs> no, it's good. It was cool because it's, I mean, you'd rather do it right. So I'd rather be given the opportunity to take the note and get it the way that's going to make it best for, to do the product justice, do the writing justice, and and to make myself sound better too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking a note. So and you did
2: amazingly,
0: by the way. Oh, well, you're kind. I mean... <laughs> So I want to say, Kyle, do you want to give us a little, or either one of you, give a little synopsis of what it is in case somebody who has not listened to the show can get an idea as to what it is.
1: And why they
2: should listen to the
1: show.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: If you're listening to the the behind-the-scenes episodes, then I'm hoping you heard the rest of it. But if not. Well, you never um, know,
0: because people drop in in the weirdest moments, so.
1: That's true. Maybe, Fitz has a lot of fans <laughs> out there, so maybe they're just here to hear his voice. Well, have you seen <laughs> Fitz? He's the door of all. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so we had just come off of the Swashbuckling Season Two, which was. Uh, a, a mammoth monster of a project. It's where our flagship show. It's our favorite. Uh, doing it if we have to pick favorites over children. And it's really, really big. And it got even bigger this season. And we kept adding more things and more things and more things. And so we coming off the end of it, we were tired. Like we had just done so much. So the position that sort of this is in is right after, if you go back to the first year, right after Swashbuckin', we did something called Evil Isn't Easy, which starred Brooke. Hey! Hey, uh, and our friend Jess, uh, who's also in Battle is here. And the the position that was was, uh, Fitz said like I want to do something else, but I want to do something really, really simple. Like Swashbucket At this point, is what twelve hours of editing work for you?
2: Uh, it's between twelve and sixteen, depending on how long the episode is. Because in addition to directing, I do all the sound effects.
1: Yeah, between 12, so for for one half an hour episode. So he's like, I I he's like, please don't kill me. <laughs> like I don't like I'm, I'm so tired. Please, uh, so so evil isn't easy. Came from that is basically like, okay. How can I tell a story with two like two voices and minimal sound effects and still have an interesting story? So. We, here we are again, swashbuckling happens, and we're getting tired. And I'm like, okay, so I need to do something simple. So I, I said, all right, so instead of doing a full audio drama, what if it's them talking about something that happened? And so I, I shifted the narrative and had it be them in a bar talking about the thing that happened, as opposed to doing the full story about that. Now, part of that was just the logistics of let's make it simple. But the other thing was that's interesting to me as a writer as opposed to trying to have it be like, then we go to this room and then we battle this thing to move it over to have them talking about the thing that happened and to make that an interesting story. Now, the idea was to do it simple, and that didn't happen really at all. (laughs) But the the cool thing about that is as as this thing came together, an interesting opportunity came about. And so I'm going to hand it over to Fitz to talk about what was different about the recording of this than any of the things we've ever done before. So in
2: order to kind of set the stage, I have to rewind a little bit to um, Phoenix Comic-Con this year, which was not Phoenix Comic-Con quick. What was it called? It was PCF (laughs) Phoenix Comic-Fest. Yes. So at Phoenix Comic-Fest this year, um, we put on um, a couple fan fiction uh, script reads, as has been our habit for the last four years, three years. Uh, Yeah. Four years, Mm -hmm. four years.
1: Yeah. Four years now. Yeah.
2: And, um, one of the mornings, I think it was Sunday morning, uh, we were doing our last panel, and I was supposed to meet Kyle. And uh, I got there a little bit early. I'm wandering around in the vendor hall and casually looking for one of our mutual friends, uh, Ryan Dalton, who is a published author. He writes the Time Shift trilogy. Yes, I'll do a shout out for my friends. Uh, Brooke can do a <laughs> shout out for her. Uh, uh, awesome theater, Stray Cat Theater in Phoenix. You should go see everything that they do.
0: Uh, <laughs> I mean, you should. But okay. <laughs>
2: But I was so I was in the writer area and I was kind of making my way towards where I thought Ryan might be because I hadn't yet said hi to him. Um, and I see a, um, a guy sitting there um, with a big banner behind him that says um, how to be successful by a completely uh, successful with the word "un" written in front of it in red person. Um, and I'm like, well, Kyle's not here yet. And that's intriguing. I'm going to go talk to this guy. And so I just strike up a conversation with him, and it turns out that he has a recording studio in uh, Phoenix. Uh, oh, right. So uh, we actually the 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 guy's name is Joel Joel Cunningham, who wrote How to Be a Successful Person by a Completely Un- or How to Be Successful by a Completely Unsuccessful Person by Wally. Uh His Pseudo pen name, um, so uh, struck up a conversation with him. And one of the things is we've been looking for what if we could find a place where we could actually do a recording, not virtually, not having you know people send me audio that I'm then clipping together, but really get everyone in a room together, particularly for something like swashbuckling, uh, which was on my mind at the time because I think we're in the middle of that. And wouldn't it be really cool if we could get that group of people together in a room? to, to engage with each other and what kind of cross chatter we could get, what kind of vibe could we get if we were in a room and Kyle had done some calling around to different places. Um, and you know, saying, you know, can we get a quote, what would it cost to rent a room for a day? Um, and so we call them up and then say something like, Hey, I'm looking to, or write an email, say, Hey, I'm looking to, um, you know, uh, uh, Or rent your audio studio and be like great so uh how many tracks are you looking to lay down like no no we're not doing not not a band all right so do you need backup drummers or (laughs) are you going to bring your own instruments no no we're not a band (laughs) and i was relaying this to joel and he's like hey that's funny you know that's that's a neat story you know i've got my you know production studio where i do my podcast and i'm like do tell me more
0: go on
2: (laughs) (laughs) And so um, um, we had an email correspondence uh, for a couple weeks. Um, Kyle and I went over toward the studio and um, we decided to go ahead and plop down a little bit extra money and, uh, and rent out a studio and see what we could do with it. And it turned out to be really amazing because we got, you know, six incredible people. And then for that last episode, we got uh, uh, Eric Lettman mm-hmm. as well. So we got seven incredible actors sitting together. And yep. just vibing off of each other and having this great connection as if they're a group of adventurers mm-hmm. who have just survived a quest and are kind <laughs> of a little, you know, punch happy and uh, really aren't sure how to handle the fact that they survived mm-hmm. killing a god. That's a spoiler from the first episode, so I'm not spoiling mm-hmm. the season if you haven't seen it yet.
0: Yeah, and and well, I mean, okay, spoilers. Um, So Eric is... Not a member of the band of killers. <laughs> That's what we'll call ourselves. But what I found really cool is that Jess Harris, who plays Nadira, is the stranger. Like she's the stranger to the group. And while we know Jess, Jess, like there's two two people or three people I did not know. Um, I like, kind of knew Jess. I didn't know Eric, mm-hmm. which was totally fine. And I didn't know Pavneet, who played Um Luxuriant Pearl. And who's delightful, but Luxuriant Pearl is kind of odd. So who really ever knows Luxuriant Pearl? <laughs> but um, Mandy and uh Kara and Anastasia and I all know each other fairly well. So it was cool that the four of us had like, it felt very natural for me to defer to Anastasia mm-hmm. who she does in the, in the show as well. Mm-hmm. So um And you're right. It's like you're all vibing off each other because we all like each other Mm -hmm. and it's fun to get together and record together.
1: Yeah. And when you hear the recordings, when you hear everyone laughing in the background stuff, that was all natural. Like we didn't. That's not something that uh, Fitz just added in in post-production. Like we wanted it to have that feel. And so I said, when something's funny, when someone says something funny, laugh you know, like gasp. I mean, like, you know, you're the idea is that you are all in the room and you are literally all in the room. So react like you're living in the, in the same space because that's, that's the kind of vibe we want to have. And I think you guys as actors did an excellent job of that, of like being present, even when you didn't have a speaking line,
2: which is to be fair, we it, laughed at pretty much every single one of Kara's lines. Kara. Who yes. plays Fendi. Well, <laughs> cause she's amazing. Yeah.
0: That's because Fendi's funny. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh so, all right, so Kyle, mm-hmm. like, um I like this is probably one of my favorite things you've written.
1: Yeah. That one thing people should know about Brooke is not only is she uh, you know, one of our one of our uh, go to actors and a good friend, she is also a beta reader. So she like whenever I have something, I like, hey, can you read this thing for me? And she'll always make time out of her schedule to to read something off and give me some notes on it.
0: Um, yeah, and I r re- you had me read um your adaptation of Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea that's being done my theater works out in Peoria and I'm super excited to see it because mm-hmm. I love the adaptation. Um, I think it's smart. Um, you're a smart writer mm-hmm. and, and I like that. And also this will sound really weird. Kyle doesn't have to be told to write strong women. He just does it. Right. <laughs> I I mean, it's not like he has to have it be a thought. And I don't know if that's because I think, it's partly who you are. I also think you kind of write with your kids in mind, don't you?
1: A lot of it is, yeah. I mean, I I, I sort of – I tend to be a slow learner. Like I, I, I sort of hit stuff really dumb. And so I, I I, came to feminism in the dumbest way possible, which is I had daughters. It's like – I now, and maybe it could have been that I, – I mean, I'm not going to say that I was a rampant misogynist before that. But it was until I had daughters that I went, oh, this world is improperly balanced and it's going to be really cruel to them. And so I want to do everything I can to try and make that difference. And, and, it's, and it was one of those, it was one of those uh, retroactive things where I looked back at my life and went, I've been surrounded by amazing, powerful, fantastic, brilliant women my entire life. Why am I, so, why am I such an idiot? Uh, I need to be doing something about this. So yeah, that, it's the same thing. Like Paul Feige talked to a lot, uh, about this as well. He's like, those are the stories I'm interested in telling. And it's like, men are, are fantastic. I love like, all the Marvel movies, but they've had their day. Like those aren't the stories that I'm interested in telling because I've seen them a hundred times before. So this is, this is what I'm interested in doing because like, this is uh, not only is it exciting to me, but like, I haven't seen these stories told a hundred thousand times.
0: Right. And that's, I mean, there's a million stories to be told. It's funny because uh, the play that we're currently doing at Stray Cat is the Antipodes by Annie Baker. And it is about telling stories. Have all the stories been told. Mm-hmm. And no, they haven't been. We still have things to think of. <laughs> so, Kyle, can you kind of like talk a little bit about how you like, how did this start with you?
1: Well, uh, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a couple different pieces. I, I, I tend to like pull from what would you think would be completely random things and then, I, and then they somehow all come together to make a, a new thing for me. So I've been interested in, in a lot of, there's a lot of, in podcasting right now, there's a very popular trend of actual role playing. Like the that people actually will they're doing a full role playing game, and they're recording it and they're putting it out. So like Critical Role are at the top, but then there's all sorts of other ones down the line. But I love that people are doing that. And I, I really miss my role playing days. I spent a lot of time. I mean, worked at a gaming store for a while. So I had at one point I had six different games I was involved in. So every night I knew, like, Oh, tonight's D D, oh tomorrow is vampire, you know, Wednesday's uh Marvel superheroes, like I knew and what my character was in each one of them. Um I miss those days, even though, you know, life has moved on. So the feeling I wanted to get was not necessarily the the actual fighting, the, the, that I, I strike him with my plus two sword and I, you know, and I fight and hit him with a fireball. It was the, the table talk afterwards because one of my favorite things was talking with my friends afterwards about what had happened. Like, you guys remember the time that we were vampires and we were fighting that werewolf and he, and, and so I wanted, that's the vibe I wanted to go for. So it was like the, the, Telling about what happened in your game to someone who was not there, but wants to hear about it as opposed to someone who does want to hear about it. So that's where sort of Nadira came from. Um, so I had that, the rough idea, like the, the place where the plot is going to go, but I didn't know what the plot was. And I'd always had this idea of what if in a, in a fantasy setting, what if the gods weren't actually the gods, but you know, sort of like carpet baggers. they, they sort of celestially rolled in and just said, Oh, well no, we're the we we made this We made this whole thing. Um, and so, and then I had that, that, that idea of like wanting to do the, 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 the doomed quest of, uh, like, okay, we're going to kill the gods. Um, and and part of that came from Prince. I am, I'm a big Prince fan. I was, it was around the anniversary of his passing. uh, and I was thinking a lot about that. And one of my favorite songs of all times is Prince's Seven. Uh, And so if you look at it, that is pretty much the premise of Revenge of the Battle Axes. All seven, and we'll watch them fall, stand in the way of love, and we will smoke them all. Um, So the more you dig into it, you'll see it doesn't really line up with all the lyrics and stuff, too. But that idea of, like, who are the seven, why do they have to fall, that heavily influenced it, too. And much so that it also influenced the names of all the characters. So all of the, um, the Battle Axes themselves, they are all from Prince songs uh pearls from diamonds and pearls and uh nikki is uh darling nikki i mean all those things you can all of them are from uh prince or or parts of prince's life i didn't want to get have like one diamond and one pearl i thought that'd be a little too obvious uh
0: it was funny because a friend of mine uh we had done a post and uh there was the artwork that went with cynthia rose Mm -hmm. and um one of the big jokes was do they know that like cynthia rose is from pitch perfect (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, well, actually, <laughs>
1: I was like, actually if you uh, take that uh, reference a little bit farther back. <laughs> so
0: that was like interesting to find out that everything was Prince related and, mm-hmm. you know, love him or hate him. I don't know yeah. anybody that hates Prince. You can't deny the fact that man was a creative genius. So, yes. you know, if you're going to borrow from anybody, you borrowed well.
1: <laughs>
0: so, OK, so I want to ask you then about the gods, because. Mm. There are seven gods. What was your origination for the gods? So, <laughs> the gods
1: was was kind of a fun thing because, uh, and and this is this isn't a a heavily deep uh, thing that you need to get into. It's just I needed an easy way to understand someone uh, of a higher level who had immense amounts of power and also a a shtick, uh, that something that was around them without having to pull out the old D&D manuals and go through it and, or, or take like, okay, he's like Thor, but he's like, uh, Zeus, except he's like, I didn't want to do that, but I needed something that I could have a shorthand for myself so that I could, I could know, I know exactly what he's like, what his atmosphere is like, what, how he talks, all that kind of thing. So I decided to base them on male directors. So all of the gods are actually based on really powerful uh, movie directors. So uh, you have uh, the first one is the God of Excess. That is uh, based on Peter Jackson, AXO. So you just pulled part of his name out. Uh, So that's why why when they're fighting him, they're fighting a giant gorilla. They're fighting um, giant spiders, uh, all all those things, uh, ghosts, uh, because those are all Peter Jackson movies.
0: So they're fighting
1: a four-hour movie where yes, and it, it lasts a really long time. Yeah, it's like there's three chambers, so there's like a you know, three-hour movie. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't trying to take I wasn't necessarily trying to take shots at all these guys because I mean I, I I'm big fans of, all, of most of the the people I after, so I wasn't trying to like um, they, but I, I was trying to think of in a big organization who are the people at the top that are sort of um, monumental that everyone knows all their stuff and almost worships them, uh, and then that that they would. Uh, that, that I could easily pull from. And then it would, I could do when, once you, once you say Peter Jackson is the God or whatever, then the dungeon almost designs itself and you just can go from place to place. And so each one and all those things. So I, I leave that to the, uh, to the listeners to go back through and see if they can figure out now, knowing who all they are, which, which directors in particular I was talking to. And it's not that, not that difficult because I usually did some part of their name as, as the gods.
0: So how did you, I, this is so, I've never really asked a writer, so how'd you come up with that? That's
1: like,
0: <laughs> no, that's like when I talk backs in a the theater. So how'd you learn all your lines? Like, <laughs> I don't want to be that, I don't want to be that asshole. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, you've given me what your inspiration is. Well, here's the question I will ask you. Is like, do you write every day?
1: Cause you write a lot. I do write a lot. Um, no, not every day. I wish I could. I mean, I wish I, I had the time for it, but there's, you know, you're asking a writer and there's, the the actual putting down of words is only a small part of the writing process. So I'm always working on something. Um, I tend to write fast because I usually have it all planned out and then I just write straight out. So I, I, I don't even tend to edit that much because I usually just try to edit in my head. So when I have keyboard time, which I don't have a lot of, I want to make it just me putting the words in. So I don't use that time for creation. I use that time for the labor.
0: For dictation
1: yeah dictation yeah, I guess that's a way to do it actually it, this comes back to role playing which is I think is what I learned as a dungeon master <laughs> is a lot of times it's it's just getting characters that you understand and know and then putting them in the room and then throw something at them and then 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 I just sit back and watch what happens so be so I keep it fairly loose in terms of like i I have them start here, I know they're going to end there, and what happens in the middle is kind of where the exciting part for me is
0: oh, that's cool. Now, when you were writing this, um, I know that I don't want to be so vain as to say, did you write with any of us in mind?
1: <laughs> I did you, I, I did, I did base the character on you. I wanted you to definitely play her. Uh, some of the other ones I, I didn't, uh, not because, uh, but because scheduling didn't work out, but I didn't, I don't want to say that anyone was second choice because when it came down to the actual process, it was like, I had a character that I needed to have a, a, a one for, um. And so I, I, one of the, I, the other one I will say that I, I definitely wrote for and hoped she would take the role and took in that was Panit. Panit is as a, a new member of our, of our group, but has already been fantastic and everything she done. I, I, got, I uh, discovered her. I, I discovered her. No, I found her uh, from Night of the Chicken, which is a play that Space 55 does, and which just won a bunch of Zonies. Yes, it did. Um, yes, yeah, it did. Well-deserved. I, 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 if I have my druthers, I will work my way through that entire cast because they are fantastic. Uh, and so yeah, we we got her from Night of the Chicken, and so I I when I was writing, I, I had just uh, worked with her in uh Foxy season two where she played a, a major role, uh, and so I immediately at the when that was wrapping up, I said I have another thing I want you to do even before I started writing, and she's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I Pearl was actually designed, and knowing she would be doing that, I, I was it was a lot easier for me to write. I I like to I like to cast before I write, especially for Monday Matinee, um, because. I want to hear you say this, and uh, if I have you say this, what's it going to sound like? So it's it's the two things. So like a lot of stuff I put in chlorine, knowing that you would have to say it, and I just want, I just kind of want to be like, oh, wait till she gets to this line. This is going to be fun.
0: Uh, um, what's cool about about Puneet, who I I really like a lot, is um, she's Indian, obviously, mm-hmm. if you didn't know that from her name, and she has an accent. Yes, and I like, but I like that because um that's how it's going to be when you have a bunch of people that come together. Yeah. We all should not sound like we are from the Midwest and we're passing the Jello. I mean, (laughs) so, um, so I think one of the things I will talk about in the fact that I liked my character a lot because I felt like my character wasn't a stretch for me at all. (laughs) But, and I think I sent you a picture once I'd read it saying, okay, here's who I'm like taking for my character inspiration. And it was, uh Chewbacca. Balzac mm-hmm. Balsag from um The Warriors Three in Thor, which is Ray Stevenson. For those who've never read the comic but have only watched the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the big fat one with the long hair. Mm-hmm. And um who unceremoniously dies, thanks yeah. Hella. Yeah.
1: Um, refer and, to if you uh if you hey those who are interested about our opinions on that can go listen to the uh, road to infinity <laughs> podcast <laughs> where i talk a lot about how uh, how badly abused the warriors three were in oh
0: you life. should definitely talk about um you should definitely listen to the second thor episode anyway mm-hmm. um and then crazy eyes from uh orange is the new black
1: yeah and i i like i was i was like oh she's got this yeah like, and then the you responded back
0: also and you gave me gimli from yes. from lord of the rings um so one of the things i did enjoy is the concept of are are we yeah we could spoil is how yeah, sure. um nadira comes to play and how did you like try to like make her the the hammer for lack of a better term
1: <laughs> yeah, she was uh, she was Chekhov's gun. So she put her on the she's there on the mantle in, in the first scene, and then all the way through. Uh, well, I needed I needed a neutral observer. I needed somebody that they could talk to because the five of them know each other, and so they have, and they and they know what they've experienced too. So I needed somebody to be there to be like, hey, why, like, like what's going on? Like, how's wait, wait, did you just say that? You know, that those that, that kind of thing to have somebody completely sort of neutral. But I also I didn't want to have her just be a generic character so i needed i knew she needed to be eventually the sixth member uh, but then how was that going to happen so i sort of worked backwards from that like why would they, why would they be coming there why would they be talking to her and then what would the at the end what would the thing be and i was i mean i had a couple a couple things that it could have been and then by the time i got to the end it was like it was like that's the nice thing about when you're writing like this is that your brain is working on a different level so by the time i got to it was like oh that's what it is she's the daughter like clearly that, <laughs> like that like, just read the earlier work you can see it but i didn't until the last episode i didn't know 100 percent for sure but then it was just like i had been planning it without even knowing that i had been planning it i really like to have the you know the the beginning and the end so that i can then go back through and then make sure it all flows the right way or, or cut out little things that and, then the, and there's there's a little bit i mean i i also tend to i like a little bit of mess and so when you read and you read or, or hear of my stuff there's always a little bit of like i don't like to sand all the edges down so there's a couple things in this that that don't i don't want say don't make sense but like that the plot lines that didn't go anywhere <laughs> there's little frayed edges and stuff too because i didn't want it to seem perfect and smooth and and nice
2: the Gun yep. shouldn't be the only thing on the mantle. There should be other stuff too that turns out to not be important,
1: exactly. But, like, there, like, uh, I can think of, uh, I think it's in uh, episode three, there's a whole thing about they get uh, an obelisk, yep, to that actually that means absolutely nothing, like, <laughs> it is a completely just dead plot line. I thought about having like them having a mystical thing or whatever, but then I decided not to. And instead of going back and wiping it out, I was like,
2: eh. You know, well, that's what we think. What are Harry's for three if you don't, comes you don't around and it's, you know, like the key to some uh, God mm-hmm. world and they have to go on a rampage. We, right. we just know you're laying seeds far, far in the future.
1: <laughs> this is that's which direction right now. As much as it is, you know, like that, that I'm doing a lot of back padding. Um, the reason the, the way you can tell that I am a terrible writer is the fact that they all survive. Like in this story, someone should have died. And I really had full intention of killing people by the time I got to episode six. I was like, well, blood's got to be spilled. They're not going to be able to walk away. This unscathed." And I just fell in love with the battle axes so much that I just couldn't stand to kill any of them because I could not imagine doing a second season, which I, at the time I wasn't even thinking about a second season. But if we did more, I just couldn't imagine doing it without all of them. Which and I, I, I sort of I sort of they, they were saved from the, the hangman's news.
0: Well, that makes me do
1: that's you. Why, that's why I'm a
0: hack. Do you
1: want to do a second season? Yes, please. i, 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 I yeah, see. I'll say that, that. Actually, it was it was, uh, Fitz that sort of convinced me of that, like that to start thinking about those ways, because he, he was so enthusiastic about this, and also like what happens next, like what, uh, what happens to the other? Do they go somewhere? Do they kill more gods? Like what's going to happen? I was like, yeah, what does happen? So, of all the stories that we've done, um,
2: this one was intended. Like when, when Kyle first pitched this to me, this was intended mm-hmm. to be a one off. Uh, It was intended to be a six episode run. It would be a one and done kind of story. Um, But then when I read it, I said, I can see this being the counterpoint to swashbuckling because everything else that we've done has ended up being, even in the cases where maybe they could have gone a little bit farther for whatever reason, they've ended up being one season only. Um, And I'm thinking about two stories in particular, which were designed as, multiple season, but for various reasons, we just never worked out. Uh, Swashbuckling being the exception. um, Of course Mm -hmm. we have um, season three already kind of churning. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then this, I was thinking, well, this is a really, it's an engaging story. It's got some incredible people in it and it's got all the elements that I love in in A, good storytelling, but B, also what I really love that Kyle really does well. Um, and I can see this going for multiple seasons and being a really engaging, you know, part of our flagship set of stories. So I'm, you know, I as soon as I read it, I said, so when are we doing season two? <laughs> uh, because I want season two. I mean, there, well, first we have to have the, uh, you know, the the voyage across the sea. I think that should be a one-shot episode. Mm. Oh, yeah. Right, because yeah. chlorine needs to have mm-hmm. her hard-bodied women who are pulling ropes. <laughs> I mean, yes, I do. Hey, no judgment. We like what we like. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. So so let's talk a little bit. Like since since it's been a lot of me. Let's. I only do. You know. Like I, I give you the stuff. We we get the actors. We we direct those stuff to, And then you. Oh, I do stuff. Like your, what? Yeah. Have to go off in a little room by yourself for for yeah, equivalent of days and days of work. Yeah. Um so so ordinarily when we do this kind of stuff we we record everybody wherever they are. We've got actors now all over the world that we we pull from. This time everybody was in the room so you had all of the source audio at once. Like when you used that down you had all six episodes there right I in front of you. I know. It was nice. So what was it? So, what was it like? Difference in the in the process, like uh, from from having to you know the, the <laughs> swashbuckling. God bless him. That You're was right. a scramble. <laughs> here, here's a here's a here, for all you insiders or all you fans of Monday Matinee. whatever you hear either myself or Fitz talking on any episode, that's because an actor did not come through for us. <laughs> we don't usually cast ourselves. Ah. <laughs> we don't we as I say much as much as much I'd like to claim like I'm I'm like Alfred Hitchcock or Quentin Tarantino no like whenever you hear either of our voices uh it's because um something happened someone didn't the audio got corrupted they we couldn't track them down they 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 ghosted on us uh that's when you you'll, you'll that's when you hear our voices um
0: i um, i will say this though i've recorded with Kyle and work like his Track was a throwaway. <laughs> I like recording with Kyle. <laughs> no, you're fun to you're fun to record yeah. opposite. Well, so
1: thank you. I appreciate that. I I, yeah. I I do like to perform. So I mean, like when I when we're yes. doing it, I'm not just gonna like you know. Oh, no, you don't I'm phone it
0: in. You enough. you no. you bring it. Yeah.
1: So I, I I by the time we get to the end of a Swashbuck thing, I have played pretty much every character because usually when we do live recordings, I'm I'm whoever is not there for that recording. So I've been I've been Zinnia, I've been Saffron, I've been. Uh, you know, pretty much
0: everybody. So, so Ryan, like, what do you find to be the most challenging about cutting our stuff together? So what's interesting uh, as I was listening to Kyle
2: telling um, a little bit more about his writing process and that the actual, you know, keyboard time is the just churning it out. Um, I actually have a similar approach when it comes to audio design. So um, what not a lot of people know is that I will take the script and, I write in the margins how I'm going to design the sound effects to augment what's happening. Um, and it used to be back in the day when I was first getting started, uh, because all of us started this from, you know, hey, we're interested in doing this and we figured this out as we went. So, you know, none of us have professional training in the things that we're doing. Um, And so when we did like the first season of Swashbuckling, if you go back and listen to that, there are very few sound effects. There's no, there's very little background noise in most scenes. Um, And then um, I've tried to push each episode to do a little bit more. Um, And earlier this year, uh, Kyle had introduced me to a podcast called Joseph. That is basically a, a movie for your ears. Um, and in listening to what they did and having left channels and right channels and all these different things and these different elements that made it an audio experience, I said, I want to do that. Um, but even back with first swashbuckling, I would go through this script and I would actually decide, how do I want to design this audio to to do the thing? Because... Uh, You've read the scripts, being uh, uh, one of our amazing uh, actors. And um, when Kyle puts in a sound effect, it's usually something like (laughs) mystic or Mm -hmm. whiz or (laughs) splat. And it's like, really, buddy? Really? That's what you're going to give me?
0: (laughs) Um, Or bar noises. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, All I know is now I'm going to see you like. With a pound of meat, like punching, punching (laughs) it to like get the right sound. (laughs) So I wish I was that creative. But what I
2: actually do is um, I use uh, freesound.org, which is a Mm -hmm. a great online website where a bunch of people have done their own Foley work and put it up for other people to use. And I always go with Creative Commons Zero um, for two reasons. One, because I use a lot of sound effects um, and even attribution licenses would kind of be a challenge for us to maintain. Uh, but also most licenses Mm -hmm. don't allow you to modify them and so any given sound may be something i just found as is so actually for example the sound mystic uh and, and kyle had that in the script in episode five the characters have been in another plane of existence and are kind of being zapped back into the bar or the tavern really um and it's sound mystic and I literally found that sound mystic. That is an audio clip that someone put together, and I'm like, that is amazing. Mine, it's Creative Commons zero done. But a lot of the other stuff will be multiple sounds, you know, put together. Um, or the the ambient background noise, for example, um, I created that uh, a loop that is a crowd noise, a cackling fire, um, a periodic um, tap filling um, water. Um, you probably can't tell, but there's actually a dice game, a couple dice games going on in the background. So I've got dice shaking and then rolling on the table. I've got plates sitting around and I've actually got footsteps going uh, left channel to right channel, right channel to left channel on a pretty much an infinite loop. So a lot of what I end up doing before I even sit down is designing those elements. Um, And in particular with this one, I wanted to kind of a mental image of where is this back room? Where is that related to, um, you know, the the main area versus the outside? Um, and so, um, I had it in my mind that you enter the uh, the bar, and it's long and rectangular, and I kind of feel like you're entering in like if you're looking at like a long rectangle, the lower left hand corner, and that there's probably a band and the you know the the minstrel group playing in the uh, right in front of you in the back corner the bars across the back wall and then over in the back area is where all the kegs are and the actual like back room, back room. And so a lot of what I do, for example, in the very last episode, uh, your character Brooke um, is um, walking out to go grab Nadira, uh, you know, kind of grabs her and says, we need to go now. If you notice she comes from right channel to left channel. That's because in my head I had the back rooms over on the right Nadira's over here, more in the front area, serving people. So obviously chlorine's coming from over here and coming back. Oh, wow. Okay. So I had all of that kind of worked out in my head and then I go and I source the sounds. I find out what groups of sounds will work independently, what things will work um, by themselves. And then there are a lot of things that I'll read the script and I'll say, okay, you know, if Nadira says, I'll go get you another round of drinks, well, then she had to have sat down drinks beforehand. Or if she's saying, here, drink this, even though there's nothing in the script that says, sat down drink, I go in and do, uh, you know, say, okay, I want a sound effect that's set down a glass or slide it across a table so that you can hear the background and it's augmenting the fact that Nadira is serving drinks and it sets
0: up that relationship between the characters. Uh, I I grew up listening to a lot of old-time radio my mom was married to it so it's what you're talking about is not unfamiliar to me because what it does is it allows people to paint the picture in their head all the better
2: exactly and and that's kind of that's what i love about these kinds of stories is because i have a picture in my head and i would love for you to have the picture and that we can share in this narrative that is i I kind of feel like the sound effects or the background are i hate to say that they're another character at the very least it provides a background in which the characters can shine more. Um, and so a lot of the work I do is that pre-work and I just take the script and I work through every every episode and I go through my own, um, you know, kind of database now of sound effects, see if the ones that I have work. So I've got footsteps I've used any number of times. I've got explosions I've used any number of times and then write in the script, okay, here's where I want the big explosion. Here's where I want this small explosion. Here's where I'm having three explosions with a scream at the end of it. Here's where I have a riot background. Um, And then I will sit down and do the actual um, audio editing. Now, the interesting thing that happened with this one that hasn't happened with other ones in the past is um, because of the way that there's this relationship between I have this back room and I have the bar, and we move from the bar to the back room, Um, I actually created each of those sections in individual pieces. So every time Nadir is in the front room, that's a scene part one. Then if there's a back room scene, that's scene part two. If there's anything else, that's part three. And all of those have the, the sound effects that are related to that scene and that scene alone. So the one that I most recently did, um, uh, for example, um, is where Aranti comes um, and, you know, becomes all godlike and does his thing. So all of in his scene, the ice blast, that sound effect, him appearing, him, um, you know, uh, dying, all of those sounds existed in that audio clip along with all the voices. So I did all the voices and the sound effects for that. But the actual background noise of the riot in the background and the explosions and the bar and the music and what happened with all of that, I layered that in afterwards because we had this weird thing where we have these kind of discrete elements where I needed continuity, but I also needed to edit down the sound to say, oh yeah, you're really far away now. And that's really hard to do if I have different clips and it was too unmanageable to do in one giant thing. Yeah. Don't know if that's sufficiently interesting and
0: I'll keep that in the final cut, but. No, I well, no, people should know how much work goes into it. I mean, that's like, you know, when you watch a movie nowadays and you see all the credits, it's like, what do you think people are doing? (laughs) Well, so guys, so there is going to be a season two. Uh, we think so. Yeah, we're we're
1: we're sort of looking at 2019 at this point and trying to figure out uh, uh, what is the best time for each story. Um, for the the rest of the year, though, we're 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 kind of going on hiatus now. Um, one of the reasons we wanted to do this is to sort of give a little insight into our process, but also to give you a little behind the scenes of what's going on. So. Um, we actually got hired. We got a paying gig. Uh, I, I'm not really going to talk about exactly what it is, not because of NDA, just because um, it's 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 far off. <laughs> so I don't want to like uh, over uh, over hype before that happens. But we uh, basically were hired to do this this pretty cool job, uh, and so that's going to take up a lot of our time. Um, so we're going to sort of focus on that for now. But we're not we're not done with Monday Matinee yet, by any means, uh, and we're also not done for the year. We have at least two more episodes. Um, Coming out uh, before the end of the year that we have scheduled already, uh, we will be returning to the seaside city of Massalia for that. Uh, so they will be, we'll be returning to Swashbuckling for another holiday special, and then there'll be another sort of one-off uh, thing we're going to do. And we're hoping to do some more, but it kind of depends on on how the rest of the this this big project goes. Uh, and then uh, we'll be coming back in, in 2019, uh, Live and Large. It'll be a brand new story uh, this at the top of the year, uh, and then probably Swashbuckling Season Three, and then. Uh, And then I'm not sure what's next after that. That'll be that'll be into the spring. So maybe that's where um, Battle Axis season two would go. Maybe right in there, but somewhere around there. So I'd say probably look
0: for that in the spring. Awesome. Awesome. I like this play. I I like I like getting back into my orc skin. No, she's Mm -hmm. not. Is she an orc? Yeah. yeah, I think so.
1: I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's you know it's it's my universe, so <laughs> you can call it whatever you want. But I I think I refer to her as an orc in the in the script. That's kind of the way I thought it, and that's how um, uh, our uh, the Mayan Viking uh, our our artist uh, interpreted her. Preferred as well.
0: talented. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that is uh, Eric Thurnbeck, For those who don't know, mm-hmm. he does uh, he does all the art, original art for Stray Hat Theater.
1: That's right. Uh, you put us in touch with him when we were looking yes. for an artist.
0: Yes, and he's like truly one of the best human beings on the planet so
1: yeah we 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 had a great relationship with him too so I'm hoping we can do some more stuff That's with him in the future
0: yeah so well gentlemen um thank you so much for taking the time i mean i know that it's it it it's the busy season it's fall <laughs> everybody's back to school the yep. kids are back to school so
1: yeah and thank you for uh, taking on the job of wrangling us the problem isn't getting us to talk it's right. getting us to shut up <laughs>
0: I know. In my head, I'm like, in my head, I'm sitting there going, once this is done, I have like four questions for Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) All right, gentlemen. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. We hope to see you again soon for Mm -hmm. another Monday matinee.